Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome, everybody, to Fanstream Sports, powered by DSP Media. This is the Fighting Irish Day Blitz, and I'm your host, Rob Fedoff, also known as RPT. You can find me on X, at Fedoff. This is episode 124, but first things first, head over to our website at fanstreamsports.com. For all additional podcast information, if you have an Apple device or an Android device, please feel free to download the Fanstream Sports app and then head over to our Facebook page. Like that page, additional content out there as well. Please feel free to share that with your friends and family. Two different subjects today for this podcast. One I'm going to be very cheerful and happy about. The other, pretty pissed off, but we'll get to that subject later. The first subject, though, today was the first day that Notre Dame recruits could sign for the 2024 uh, recruiting class. And right now we're in the top 10. I always say as long as we get in the top 10, I feel pretty good. Whether we have so many five stars, excuse me, four stars or three stars, uh, the uh, the goal is to whatever you have at this moment is to develop those kids to the best of their ability, athletically, academically, uh, for them to uh, have a great career. Because they said if you go to Notre Dame, stay there for four years, you're set for the next 40 in your career. Um, I'm not going to get too much into the weeds here, but just a high-level overview. We're currently ranked eighth in the class, uh, so top 10. But for the other so-called powerhouses, Georgia is one. Alabama, two, no surprise there. That seems to be the case about every year. Texas is three. Miami of Florida is four. Oregon, five. Ohio State is six. This one surprised me. Auburn is seven. Notre Dame, eight. Oklahoma, nine. Florida State, 10. We had one five-star, 17 four-stars, and 11 three-star recruits signing today. And just some of the more well-known recruits that signed. CJ Carr, you've heard that name now the past year. I think he committed over a year and a half ago, maybe, but the uh, very talented quarterback out of Saline, Michigan, his uh, grandfather is Lloyd Carr, who coached Michigan to their last football title back in 1997. He's We're being told he's the future for Notre Dame, especially at the quarterback position. Cam Williams is our five-star recruit uh, out of Illinois, wide receiver, great wide receiver there. Our bigger defensive signee was Kingston Valamu Asa. I think I'm pronouncing that right. They call him KVA. But he, to me, looking at the film, more of an athletic Manti Teo linebacker. Uh, Bryce Young, his dad is uh, Bryant Young, who was on the 1993 team. To me, the last team that really had a chance to win a national title. Uh, his dad was a great player for the San Francisco 49ers and uh, is a Hall of Famer. And his son uh, is a defensive lineman like him. Uh, one of the big offensive lineman signees was Gearby Lambert. And then a name you're probably going to recognize, at least the last name, Kennedy Erlacher. His dad is Brian Erlacher, who played for the Bears, also a Hall of Famer. Uh, but he'll be playing safety probably at Notre Dame. And they also listed the transfers at Notre Dame. And I wanted to make that note because we had that mass wide receiver exodus. I think we lost five wide receivers about three weeks ago. But we've made up for that in the recruiting trail with incoming freshmen and also uh transfers from other schools uh mitch jeter he's not a wide receiver but he's he'll be the new place kicker he's from uh, the university of south carolina 
Uh, Duke, we had two people. Obviously, Riley Leonard, the quarterback for next year. With an R.J. Oban defensive lineman, they said if you think of Javante Jean-Baptiste, who we uh, ended up getting from Ohio State last year as a graduate transfer, he was a pleasant surprise. Great defensive lineman this year for Notre Dame, but they said R.J. Oban, uh, who we're getting from Duke, is a carbon copy of Javante Jean-Baptiste, which is a good sign. And here's the two big uh, wide receiver signings. Uh, Bo Collins from Clemson, and then Chris Mitchell from Florida International, or FIU. And then Jordan Clark, defensive back. His dad is Ryan Clark. You probably know that name. He's an ESPN analyst uh, for the NFL. And then he played for the Steelers when they last won their Super Bowl back in 2008. So it's a great, uh, we're in the top 10, currently eight. And uh, if I have any more news about recruiting, I'll let you know. But I just want to give a high level overview. Now to me for more of the main subjects here. Uh, Notre Dame men's basketball lost by 20 points last night at home to the Citadel. No disrespect to the Citadel. Those guys are defending our country. Their easiest part of the day is probably playing basketball because they get up at the break of dawn to go to training, and then they go to class, then more training, you name it. That's the easiest part of their day playing sports. But we have no business losing to Citadel, even though this is a total rebuild year. I told you before, this is a complete rebuild. We lost 98% of our team. The 2% that is still left over from last year, no disrespect to these two individuals, but uh, uh, Matt Zona and Tony Sanders, they barely make a dent when they play. And I, it's just bluntly honest with you. Uh, hardly any scoring, hardly any, any sort of production. But I thought at least they would have some leadership. And maybe there still is some leadership uh, with them. But from what I saw last night, I, as I said earlier this year, I knew we were going to have a losing season. I said at best 10 and 20, but at least I thought of those 20 losses that I predicted, we would give our best effort uh, for those losses. And those teams that would beat us, they would have to earn it. And I always say a, a team could be more talented than, than you, but at least make sure you outwork them. Because at the end of the day, the more you outwork a team, some of the times the breaks are going to... Um, go for you and by you outworking that team even though they're a better team than you you may have some upsets here and there but the case last night uh, except for one player Jared Kaznesny who busted his ass last night and coach Shrewsbury said that too the rest because Marcus Burton our, our McDonald's All-American Mr. Basketball Indiana uh, I give him credit for staying at Notre Dame because once Mike Bray are retired and then you know he's in the NBA right now uh, coaching with the Hawks um he stayed at Notre Dame. He honored his commitment, and uh, he was playing great prior to last night. And uh, he just didn't look like he wanted to be there. And I don't know if the team with Christmas coming up, because I know uh, playing basketball in the past, I'm way back because I'm that was just probably over 30 years ago. Once you got into that Christmas time, you kind of want to just uh, go on a Christmas vacation for a little bit, and then come back to the first of the year to. Uh, play your games and sometimes you'd have one or two games during the Christmas season and a lot of times you just don't want to play and I still think maybe that was part of the reason last night but once uh, coach Shrewsbury was at his press conference he said no it's unacceptable and to me it's unacceptable too because I've seen some bad Notre Dame performances but at least there was some effort this effort last night was just unacceptable I can't say it enough I want to get into before I get into um the main thing I want to show you, everybody, they last night, if you look at one time, 
And I know with with a total rebuild, your defense is probably going to be more um, is going to be probably more successful early on. Uh, offense is going to take some time, and that's been the case this year. We were playing with full effort defensively. We were okay, but offensively, we just have these stretches. We're just missing shots left and right. But last night, I think the announcer said at one time we've missed 17 shots in a row from the three point line, and you just can't have that. And I know that will come in time, but the effort, I can't say enough, was just not there. But as I mentioned earlier, Jarek Kaznesny, he did have 18 points. Marcus Burton had 13. But Jarek Kaznesny was only 7 of 18 from the field. Excuse me. It got so bad with the effort that Coach Shrewsbury ended up putting in. He kept JR in. But he put four walk-ons in. And I think at, right now we got about six or seven walk-ons. We had to get walk-ons just to have practice this year because we lost so many players from last year, even with some transfers and uh, the one recruit coming in and Marcus Burton. But uh, he said, I don't care. Uh, they're hungrier than my current so-called stars, if you want to call them stars. But um, it was just so unacceptable. Here's the thing, too. One of Citadel's players, Elijah Morgan, he was a walk-on for Notre Dame the last – three years uh, prior to this year and he graduated from Notre Dame early really smart kid but he knew too with all the changes coming with uh, coach Shrewsbury coming in um, at the end of last year that he was probably not going to play at all this year so he went to the Citadel um, great kid very smart kid and uh, he had 19 points last night that's a career high for him and I cannot nothing against him or the Citadel you cannot have Elijah Morgan dominating your team even though you're a rebuild this year. That is just totally unacceptable. What else before I, I wanna just uh, make sure I, before I get into the next subject here, because I know it's really rough right now. And I'm just thinking, uh, even during last night, I'm like, is this, are we ever gonna get back to where we were, you know, those teams in 2015 and 2016 that went to the Elite Eight? And even the 2018 team probably would have competed for a, Elite Eight or Final Four, but then Bonzi Coulson got hurt. We had a lot of injuries that year. It was uh, Bonzi's uh, senior season. But having said that, I'm just like, is is this it? But then Coach Shrewsbury had a press conference, and I have more faith in this guy than I ever did. I even have more confidence in him. And if I was a player, I would walk through a I would uh, walk through a wall for him. He's uh, he's like, this is unacceptable. And I'm going to let you guys listen to it right now. I asked him if we could do this. I thought there would be copyrights, but no. So instead of listening for me for another five minutes, it's only five minutes, but I really want you guys to, or the audience, I should say, listen to this To I hope you're hearing what I'm hearing, that Coach Shrewsbury is not, let, not let, going to let this shit happen again. Just unacceptable. And if you're not going to uh, want to bust your ass every day in practice and during a game and give 100% effort, then get out. He will uh, he'll get with the compliance department, and he says this in the press conference, uh, to let you transfer because uh, we got to set the culture here, and he takes full responsibility for what happened last night, and I just love it about him, and I can't say it enough. I still ha I have more confidence in uh, Coach Shrewsbury and that he will eventually get this uh, program turned around. It's just going to take some time. First of all, I, I apologize to anybody that paid money to come watch that. Watch that effort from that team. The, the one thing is they at least got to watch one team play hard. I thought Citadel played connected. I thought they played hard. I thought they played with a purpose. And I thought our team was poor in that area. That starts with me, number one. It starts with me. Um, 
and I got to find a way to get these guys ready to go. This game was over before we even got here. We have no energy at shooting around. We didn't have any energy at practice. That's who this team has been. Like, but we also you have an opportunity, right? You you try and learn from whatever the last game was, right? Like, so you end the first half, you end the second half, and we talk about how we finished. But one play kind of changes everything, right? And like, we have the ball, we're up. I think we're up three, and we run a play. Tay rolls, catches it, and then turns it over. When he's at the rim and Keba's at the rim open, we turn it over. They go down and get fouled and get free throws. Next possession, Marcus comes down and turns it over. They go down, get fouled, and get free throws, get points. There's the game. The game flips right there with turnovers like that. And then our emotional intelligence is not very good. We don't handle failure well at all. When failure happens, we collapse, right? So that's on me as a coach. I got to find a way for us to be better. Hopefully, I can find a way for us to not fail. It starts with me. I got to find a new way to motivate them then because whatever's happening or whatever's going right now is not working. So I got to change my approach then. I should have benched them earlier. Is this the biggest disappointment so far in your tenure here? Yes. Um, I mean, I hate every loss. But to not come out and compete, man, that, that don't sit well with me ever. So I say I apologize to the fans. Right? My message for the game was like this is the Christmas season. And like you see a lot of people mail it in early before Christmas and people come in here and get beat. And that's exact. Maybe I was forecasting what was going to happen. But they don't believe what I say. Braden is your three-point specialist. No, he's not. He's shooting 20-something percent from three. He's got to play better. He's got to guard some people. He's got to have some toughness. He, or he's going to be sitting next to me. Him and Tay. And Keba. The same way. Like they're playing with zero effort right now. I mean, he, he, JR's doing really good stuff. He's playing really hard. Right. He's got to figure out like he's got to take good shots all the time. Right. And so he can be more efficient. Right. Yeah, he was forcing it late because we were down big and he was trying to make stuff happen. But he's seven for 18 for 18 points. Right. That's what our defense is trying to do to other people. But that's not on him. Right. Everybody else was everybody else has started sitting on the sideline and he's playing with four walk ons. But I appreciate his effort. He's coming every single day and, and competing and, and fighting. And that's all you can ask for from him. No, we can't. Rules don't allow us to not do it on a game day. We'll get back in here early tomorrow. We're going to spend some time in here practicing. I don't care about this game on Friday. I can tell you that right now. This is about our team getting better. But this is about our team finding some kind of focus, having some kind of competitive balance. It doesn't matter who you play. Everybody can beat you. And these dudes, like, they get up in the morning and they march. And they got some toughness to them. And we don't have toughness. And we wilted right away. But that again, that starts with me. I got to change my approach. So we'll have a different approach. And we'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen on Friday. 
But if people don't compete, then you're going to see more walk-ons a lot more earlier than this because um, we're building a culture. And that ain't it. That is not the culture we're trying to build. So a message needs to be sent to some of these guys that, like, if you don't play hard, then you can sit and rot over there on the bench. And I'll, I'll find a way. I'll go and talk to the people in compliance. I will help you transfer. Because this culture is getting built the right way. And if you ain't a part of it, you're out. And I don't care. You know that. But the fact that they don't know that, I mean, how, how difficult is that to try to get them to understand how important that is? That told me message ain't getting across the right way. So I got to be better. I got to be better. I'll be better. I'll be better. And I'll get the message sent across better. So as you can see, I was not, uh, I was not pulling your chain there. He's pretty pissed off. I'm pretty pissed off. I mean, heck, to watch that last night, I could have been watching reruns of Madlock again. I, I told you this before. I, I I fell in love with Madlock TV show again during COVID and uh, getting into Mama's family now, too. I could have been watching classic TV instead of watching that pathetic display last night. And he said, too, I, I'm not worried about Friday. And just, yeah, we play Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh on the ACC network against Maris, he's like, I could care less about Maris. I got to get these kids um, playing for me again. I got to get them focused again. I know that term is always used, but whatever I'm doing right now is not getting to them. And if you don't want to play for me, you can sit the pine. If you don't like to sit the pine with me, uh, let's just transfer. And he was even calling out his own son who plays on the team, who um, I was kind of a little leery about father and son coaching or mother and daughter, whether it's, Little League Baseball or junior high or high school, that's one thing. That's sort of inevitable sometimes. But in the college game or the pro game, the only time I've really seen that work well, uh, Syracuse with the Bayheim brothers and Coach Jim Bayheim, his sons. But for every Bayheim son-father uh, uh, son combination, you always have a Tubby Smith-Saulsmith. Remember in the early 2000s, Tubby Smith, a decent coach at Kentucky, had a during – for a couple years, he did win a national title, but he had his son. I think his name was Saul Smith. It just should not have been playing Division One basketball. Whether his son, I think his name's uh, Brandon Shrewsbury. Uh, he's a decent three-point shooter at times, but as you saw in that press conference, he said, well, he's not good at all. He's horrible right now. He's like 25%. And he needs to do more than just shoot the ball. And he was calling out his players in a good way. I know I always think he shouldn't... Um, how can I say this? Uh, there's there's a certain way to go about about coin out your players. You just don't want to uh, belittle them. But at the same time, you got to hold them accountable as well. And that's what I thought he did with this press conference. Uh, but I can't say it enough. I hope you guys really thought the same as what I was thinking during that press conference. But I'm, I'm totally behind uh, Coach Shrewsbury even more after listening to that. So thank you so much for joining me for episode 124. And as always, go Irish. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write. 
so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.